I've learned to trust in Jesus, and through it all, I have learned to trust in God. And I tell you what, He, I, sometimes, sometimes it takes a little bit of trial. It takes a little bit of, uh, uh, of uh, not necessarily torture, but it does take a little bit of, uh, of discomfort to make us really, really trust and have hope in Christ that that we can have. Now, it's there, and it's available to us, and He offers it to us, but sometimes we just don't reach out and, and grab it. We just don't reach out and, and lay hold on it. But sometimes these trials, these tribulations, these tests, they will cause us to do the things that ordinarily we wouldn't do. So even if it's discomfort, even if it's that thorn in the flesh, like Paul mentioned that he had three different times actually when we when we think about that and we look at that there is blessing behind the trial and the tribulation there is blessing behind the difficulty and i want to tell you something i think that there is a stirring i'm observing and i'm seeing a stirring among god's people and i believe and i see uh you know you know, we're Pentecostals, okay? And we've been praying, we, we've been talking about revival a long time, and, and, and we've been thinking on revival a long time, and, and, and many of you have sat through many good revival services, and I can remember some of those uh, camp meetings from years ago. I remember uh, one in particular that ran six weeks, and I went to that camp meeting many, many nights, many nights, night after night. And we tend to think about revival in that sense, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, those revivals are good, but let me tell you something. I believe that there is a revival that is occurring among God's people right now. It may not be an outbreak in a service like that we've been accustomed to or we're familiar with, uh, in our in our memory, in our minds, but I believe that God is stirring His people to a newness of life and a closeness with Him that we have not had before. And I believe that we are learning the value of standing back and right now and learning that scripture that says, "When you've not, when you've done all that you know to do, all you need to do is stand and see the salvation of the Lord at work." I think we're seeing that right now, and God is doing some tremendous things among us. I'll, let me let me express appreciation for our praise team. They've been troopers. Appreciation for uh, Russell Brewster uh, and uh, all all of his crew. I'm I, you know I don't leave anybody out and helping with the sound every week over these past five weeks. Uh, they've been tremendous. It's not as easy to stand out here and sing. Or preach like Whitney did last week in, in, when the wind's blowing. It sort of takes your breath. So at times, and you get a little bit hoarse, but, but thank God for all of them putting forth the extra effort. Dave and Warren's helped some with the, the videography. Thank you so much for everybody and what you are doing to make this possible at Voice of Praise. But thank you, all of you that are sitting in your cars and all of you that are watching by Facebook Live for receiving the ministry that has come forth every single week because that's what it's all about is touching your lives, reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today is Mother's Day. We all know that by now. Uh, I shared this morning in my 
drive time video. My mother's been gone uh, soon be 25 years. Uh, Sarah lost her mother 14, 15, 14 years ago. So if you got your mother, but if you have your mother here with you today, or if your mother's where you can call, or your mother's where you can go visit them, uh, please take the time to honor them. They are some of the most special people in the world. So moms, today we salute you. We got some special giveaways to give you at the end of the service. And uh, we also have something special for every lady. Even if you're not a mother, we have something for you. Well, some of you may have heard the expression about moms that says that hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Moms are some of the most influential people in the world. Perhaps the most influential people in the world. Moms have, uh, have probably, collectively, moms have reached more wayward children than Billy Graham ever hoped to. Uh, moms, collectively, have healed more wounds than, than all of the doctors and all of the hospitals ever have done. Moms have, uh, they've wiped, uh, other than Jesus, they've wiped more tears than, than any other, anybody else in the world. Moms are special people. And moms have carried out great works. But I want to take a turn on that a little bit. The hand that, that turn on the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And I, I've, I've twisted it just a little bit. Well, you may say, well, you twisted a whole lot, Pastor, really. I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled, The Hand That Stirs the Pot. Now, uh, you know, sometimes when we think about stirring the pot, we think about that in a negative way. But now when I think about my mom and stirring the pot, I think about my mom with a big old pot of pinto beans on the stove every Monday. That's what was put on the stove. The Maytag wash machine was drug out, and for those you younger ladies, it, it wasn't automatic. It, it had a big old thing on the back of it, and it had two rollers in it, and you had to make sure you got your fingers out before it sucked your whole arm through there. It was called a ringer wash machine. Mama would drag that wash machine out in the middle of the floor, throw, throw a big wash tub in behind it to rinse the clothes in, and and she would put on a pot of beans on the stove, and that would all happen about daylight. And But I can remember going over every once in a while stirring that pot of beans. I can remember later on in the day stirring a big old big old bowl for them. She had one bowl that was nothing but her cornbread bowl. And I can remember going over and she would stir up that cornmeal and everything else, the buttermilk and the eggs and all that stuff, stirring up that bowl of cornbread. I can remember stirring up a lot of things that she cooked in the kitchen. I'm a lover of food, if you've not noticed that yet. And, 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 but I have some of the most fond memories I have of my mother is stirring up whatever she was about to cook in a pot and getting ready to fix it because I knew the end result was going to be good. But I want to take you to a scripture this morning that's found in Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, I'm reading from the New King James Version, verses 23 and 24. I want you to listen to what the Hebrew writer says. He said, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another 
in order to stir up love and in good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Can I read that last part again? And let us consider one another in love, one another in order to stir up love and good works. I want to preach to you with a, just a, a few points this morning. I got about four points to make to you, and then we're going to move on into the the uh, the, the gifts and some things like that. But as we begin to think about this verse of scripture, I want us to think about our goal of lives as a believer. Now, you know, mothers have goals. Most mothers want to see their sons grow up to marry beautiful young ladies. This is the couple that's about to get married, in case you didn't know. They want, they want, they want their daughters to grow up to marry handsome young men in sunglasses and, de- and have diesel trucks. They, they, <laughs> they, they, you know, so, so mothers have desires for their children. Do you realize this? That more than a mother's love, now it's been said that a mom's love is the closest love to a God, to God's love, but do you realize this morning that God desires for you and me to have good things and to have great things? He desires for things that, that are for our best. Do you realize that God wants us to have wonderful and good blessings over our life? But He also wants us to have good goals as believers, good goals as followers of, of Jesus Christ, good goals as we pursue our relationship with Him. One of the things I, I believe that brings is bringing revival during this pandemic circumstance, no doubt, is it is causing us, it is causing many people to pursue God in a closer relationship. I told you, I think last week or maybe two weeks ago, how that, that, that Walmart was not only sold out of toilet paper, Walmart is documented sold out of every Bible that they had in their stores. People are suddenly becoming interested in what God has to say. They're interested in, from a God perspective, of what's going on around us and around the world. So when we, but we have goals as believers. And as we have goals, we have to pursue our goals. And in pursuing our goals, what we find the Hebrew writer is saying here in verse 23, he is telling us to embrace hope. He said very explicitly there, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. The Apostle Paul, speaking to the, about the resurrection, I believe it was to the Corinthian church, he said this, he said, and if it's, if it's in, in this life only we have hope, we're of all people most miserable. If, if, if your hope is in the, is in the U.S. government, if, you, if my hope is in the CDC, if our hope's in the World Health Organization, if our hope is in the rise or the fall of, uh, of the economy, of the bank, of, the, uh, of the, the economic system, whether it's of America or the world, if our hope is just in this life, if our hope is, is, is 
is centered around what business will or will not survive, what what company will make it or won't make it. If that's all, all the hope that we have, we are very miserable people. And as believers, if we don't hope in a far better life than the life that we have right now, if we don't hope in a far better, a greater, more exceeding kingdom than what we have now, what Paul is saying is, then we're most miserable. We, we're, you know, can I say this? Can I just preach to you a little bit? I see a lot of Christians that are miserable right now. I see a lot of Christians through the years, through my Christian life, I run across Christians that are miserable. I only, only explanation I have in that is, yes, we all go through trials. We have our down times. I understand that. But I'm talking about those that are believers in Jesus Christ. They profess Christ as their Savior, but they're miserable people. They haven't looked to Him as their hope. There is hope that extends beyond this life. There is hope that extends beyond our circumstances. There is hope that be, extends beyond anything that we can ever imagine. So He calls us to be steadfast in that hope. Be steadfast in that hope. Listen. I don't always see God. Actually, I've never seen physically. I don't always see God. It, when things happen, I don't always perceive them as being God. When, when things occur, and, and, and maybe they're, they're, they're negative things. Maybe they're things that, that seem uh, uncomfortable, as I've already mentioned. Maybe they're things that, that, that are painful to me. And, and sometimes I, I don't really see God in the midst of that. But, but I have to be steadfast in my hope. And, and I have to have that Job-type hope. That Job-type hope that says... Though you slay me, you might kill me, God, but I'm still going to trust you. I still got hope in you. I still got confidence in you. My trust is in you. Because what we have to realize and understand, that it's all about Christ and His faithfulness. And He is faithful to the end. He is faithful. He, 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 his, one of His names is faithful and true. He is, he, God, Christ is faithful. He, he, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that Jesus can do, but there's one thing that he can't do. And he cannot fail. He is faithful, and his faithfulness is unfailing. Number two. Number one was the goal of our life as believers is embrace your hope. Number two goal is consider one another. When we begin to read verse 24, I find that, that what the writer is saying is, let us consider one another, let us consider in one another to stir up love and, and good works. I want to focus on the good works for just a moment. You see, I, I want us to realize that when we begin to consider one another, it is going to yield good works. If you have something in your car, if you don't have anything in your car to write on, just write this on your hand. You can't serve Jesus without serving other people. If, you're, if we are not serving other people, there is no way that we are serving Jesus. And understand this with me. That's what he's called us to do. Jesus, I thought the other day, as I was, as I was meditating on the Lord, and I, I thought about, Lord, Lord, I can't imagine you putting an apron around your waist and, and all of the all of these people, all of these disciples, you know what's coming, and they walk in and you're about to have the last supper, the last your last meal with them collectively. 
and and you put this you put this apron on around your waist, and you get down and you begin to wash their feet. You know, and, and I, I don't know, I can't really recall if we have or we haven't. But but you know, us Pentecostals, we used to we used to do foot washing services. You don't hear too much about those anymore. But but it was a display and a show of uh, showing of humility, and Jesus did that. But but we don't have to necessarily have a foot washing service in order for us to serve one another. We can take on an attitude of servanthood. We can take on an attitude of compassion and love to our our neighbors. Our and let me say this. Let me preach this a little bit to you here again. Yeah, it's pretty easy for us to love those of our family. It's easy for me to love Sarah and do the things that Sarah wants. It's easy for me to love my, my son. And it's easy for me to love my grandkids and, and to serve them and do the things that they want. But, but then what about those people that are not exactly my friends? What about those people that maybe that don't like me? What about those people that maybe I don't like? How hard is it for me to serve them? But you see, Jesus is no respecter of, 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 of person. His love is no respecter of person. He's called us to, to, to love and to serve everybody. In fact, he says, he mentioned and he called those people that despitefully use you. Use you. He says, love them, show them love. Show them genuine concern. And when we begin to show that genuine concern one for another, what we find will happen is that it will yield kingdom results. Kingdom results is what the church is in pursuit of. Kingdom results is what pleases God. And the Word of God says if we will delight ourselves in the Lord, then He will give us the desires of our heart. This is good preaching. Number three, goals of us as believers. Number one was embrace your hope. Number two is consider each other. Number three is to stir each other up in love. Now, man, this is tough. The newlyweds. Y'all shouldn't sit back there today. They're not newlyweds yet. We haven't tied the, the proverbial knot yet. But it's coming. It's coming. I, we're probably close to the point of no return. It's coming. It's going to happen. You know, they're going to get married. We've got some marital counseling, premarital counseling to go through here in the next few days. But it's probably going to happen. I don't. I don't look for one of them to back out. But and and they they got they they got the love thing going on. They got right now. You can't see it from where you're at, but there's butterflies flying all around their heads right now. There's, there's probably, there's probably a, a dove that's just descending right now upon them right now. They're all in love. Now, come about, if the Lord tarries his coming, if the Lord tarries his coming about 20 years from now, it's probably going to be a different kind of love. It's going to be love that says, I, I would really love it if you would just go on and go fishing Saturday and leave me alone. You know, sometimes love changes. It changes in its appearance. It changes in its context. But at the same time, love continues on. The Bible tells us that love, you know, of all of the gifts, love cannot fail. Love will not fail. Love is good. And, and we are called as the church to stir up love in one another. You see, 
mothers stir the pot. Mothers stir the pot. They stir the pot that, that, that keeps the family fed. Mothers stir the pot that settles the difference between the older sister and the younger brother. Or maybe it's the older brother and the younger sister. Mother, mothers are the peacekeepers. Mothers do all these things. But, but listen, there is one, there is a hand greater than the mother that stirs the pot. And God is calling us to stir one another to love. Because if we will stir one another to love, it is remarkable what we will see God do in the kingdom. Fourthly, number one, embrace your hope. Number two, consider each other. Number three, stir up love and good deeds. And number four is let's get together. Because in verse 25, he says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and much more as you see the day approaching. Now, I'm not the oldest one here this morning, but I also know I'm not the youngest one. And I've heard about the day approaching for a lot of years now. 1974, I went into a Pentecostal church, and in that Pentecostal church, it was a Sunday night service, I believe, maybe a Saturday night, but they had one of those big, and you young, let me, let me tell you, you young people, let me tell y'all something. Young people, I'm talking about those probably, uh, maybe, maybe, especially, maybe 40 and younger, especially 30 and younger. Before there were DVDs, before there was Blu-rays, before there was, before there, what else, what else we got now, Dave? You help me a little bit. What else we have? Jay, uh, MP4s, MP3s. Before there was any of that, there was these big contraptions that had two big wheels on them, and they called them movie projectors. And in 1974, I, an unchurched teenager, yet very, very young teenager, just barely, I may not even been a teenager yet. Yeah, I would have been in 74, been 13. I went to this. Pentecostal church, and they had this big movie projector out, had those two big wheels on it, and that thing is sitting there going. <laughs> and up on the screen, you saw this movie, and it was all, had all the little squiggly lines that are, some of y'all remember the old reel-to-reel movies, remember that stuff. The movie that was shown was a movie, the name of it was called The Road to Armageddon. And in this movie, it depicted it depicted the rapture of the church taking place, and then it it depicted what happened after the rapture of the church. And and it, it I remember vividly, vividly though that's been a few years ago now. I remember some of the scenes out of that old projector movie that was shown in that little in that little Pentecostal church. And I saw the depiction of blood running up to the horses' bridles. I saw, I saw the, I remember the images as, uh, of, of flesh falling from people's, uh, the flesh falling from their bones, their, the, and, and their eyes burning out of the sockets of their head. I, it, it, it was very graphic. It was very, it was very gory, if you would, but, but it, it stirred me up. I'd never been, I'd never been to a church like that before in my life. I'd never heard of anything like that in my life, but it stirred me up. And, and because I believed, I believed there was a day coming 
when the church would leave on that night, I instantly believed that there was a time coming when great tribulation, even though I didn't understand it in that context, would overshadow this earth. And I want to tell you something. Here I am, 1974 to 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 where we're at now. What is that? How much did I do the math real quick for me? 1974 to 2020. I'm now 36, 46, 46 years. Is that right? 46 years. 46 years later, I'm still a believer that Jesus is coming back. And I'm still a believer that there is a great tribulation that is coming forth once the church is raptured away. And I still believe that we have time to get out here and do these things that I've preached to you about this morning. And it's behooving to us to get together just like we're doing this morning. Come together, even though we're sitting in cars. We're coming together, even though we're watching, maybe from a living room, maybe you're watching while you're driving down the road on your phone. If you are, please do so carefully. But we are coming together as the body of believers, because as we come together as the body of believers, what we find that it pleases God. It pleases God. As he wrote, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Somebody says, well, you know, the church is not a building. The church is us. And that's exactly right. But I want to tell you something. Buildings are good. Buildings are good for us to come together in. We've got a bright, sunny day out here today. It's good to be sitting in the parking lot. But I want to tell you something. Uh, I was at last Sunday or Sunday before last when it was cold and it was blowing rain and wind was making the tents grow, go up and down and all this stuff. It would have been a whole lot more pleasant to have been inside. But we, we persevered. We pressed through. But listen to me. It's good for us to come together. That pleases God. It's fellowship. It, it, it brings us together. Let me tell you, more than ever before, more than ever before, the church needs to gather together today. More than yesterday. But I want to take something. Tomorrow, this will be more important than it is today for us as church to be able to gather together. And some of that may come virtually, you know, by in this day of social media. I don't think that's a all-in-all substitute, but it's still good in its own right. Next Sunday, it'll be more important than this Sunday. The Sunday after that will be more important than that Sunday. Because let me tell you something. As we get closer, step by step, day by day, as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, it's important, the Scripture is teaching us that this morning, that we find ourselves as the body of believers coming together more and more and more and more. And as we do, we'll see the results. We'll see we'll see God doing great and mighty things, not to us necessarily, but through us. You see, because for too long, sometimes our relationship with God was God do it to us instead of God doing it through us. And as we begin to allow God to work through us as a, as a people. Understand this. The church is the body of Christ. 
We're the body of Christ at work. So today, I want to give you this one more time. Goals of our goals of the believers. Embrace your hope. Consider one another. Stir up love. And then let's get together as the body of Christ. If we'll do those things, it's remarkable what we will see occur among us. Right now where you're at, I just want you to join me in prayer. Father, right now I just pray for everybody that's under the sound of my voice today. Whether they're on this parking lot, down over the hill here somewhere, watching my Facebook Live, or someone that will watch later in the week. God, I'm just praying right now today that your word will not fall on deaf ears, but your word will fall on ears that are open and receptive. People that will hear, Lord, and receive the word. People that will hear, and, and the word will go deep into their hearts, and they will find a lodging place. Lord, we are the church. Lord, we are called by your name. Lord, we are called to serve you and to, to, to worship you. But Lord, we are we are called in that to serve. We are called. We are called, Lord, to serve one another. So God, help us to serve one another. Help us, Lord Jesus, to reach out in the hope that we have with you and impact the lives of other people. Today I pray, Lord, for those that may have sickness in their bodies. Lord, by your stripes, they are healed right now. We speak healing over every infirmity, over every disease, God. We we just believe that today, Lord, that you are our healer, Lord God. Lord, today, Lord, I speak. Lord, I speak, Lord God, healing, Lord, over relationships today. Lord God, right now I pray healing, Lord, for those families that are divided, families that are separated. Maybe it's siblings fighting against siblings. Maybe it's spouses, Lord, that are warned against one another. Maybe it's siblings that are warned against their parents. Lord, we take authority over the over the, the warfare. We take authority, Lord, over the dispute in the name of Jesus. We just believe, God, that you're breaking resolve in the circumstances that are divided right now. And God, I pray comfort for those, Lord, lost family members, Lord, minister to their lives, meet their needs, Lord God, in this difficult time that we're in right now. And let peace come into their lives in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, touch every church, touch every business. Lord, minister to every household. Lord, our hope is in you. All of my hope is in you, Lord. And we just worship you today. For you are good. And you are greatly to be praised. Right now, I don't know that I can see every car, but I'll try to. If you have a special prayer request you would like for us to pray over this week, just pull your headlights on right now. God, we see, I see a couple. Thank you. Thank you. We see those. We're going to be praying for you. We're just believing anymore. We see. Yes. Okay. We see those. 
We're going to keep praying for you. We're going to believe for your needs. We may not know exactly what it is, but let me tell you, it's more important than us knowing is that God knows and He understands your needs. 